Hello, this is Weird Al Yankovic, and you're listening to The Ponch Stevenson Show. Awesome. The Ponch Stevenson Show. PonchStevenson.com. Episode 208. Tuesday, December 4th, 2012. The Ponch Stevenson Show. PonchStevenson.com. Episode 208. I am Rob. You are Greg. <laughs> Trying my bottle into a jug trip. No, 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 no. Blowing into a jug. So this is our pre or early Christmas episode. <laughs> and you know what we're gonna have to splice in. That's right. <laughs> Hold on, let me uh Happy Christmas! Happy Christmas to all! And to all, a good night! (laughs) (laughs) That guy, man, screaming. (laughs) 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 What is that? Welcome to the Porch Even So, Never gets old. Merry Christmas from Rob and Greg at the Paunch Stevenson Show, paunchstevenson.com. Now, we have a special guest in this episode to discuss a Christmas story, in fact. The uh, 1983 cult favorite uh, movie. Yes. And it's actually a previous guest we've had, an author of Inside Peavy's Playhouse, our friend Cassine Gaines. Yes. New Jersey author. Yes. Who we met up with live in person. Yes. And we are here once again with author Cassine Gaines from New Jersey. Welcome to the Paunch Stevenson Show. Again. Yes, hello. It's uh, great to be back. Thanks. So before we get into anything, I just wanted to apologize yet again. (laughs) You came onto the show. We did the, the, um, uh, our interview with you about... Inside Pee-wee's Playhouse, your book, which was awesome. Thank you. Um, and I apologize because I sounded like I had drank an entire bottle of NyQuil. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but... sounded like you were uh, Ryan Reynolds stuck in that coffin <laughs> six feet in the ground. Um, but anyway, you're here again, and uh, you have a new project. Yes. But I just wanted to follow up and see... Um, what ended up happening with Inside Pee-wee's Playhouse. Sure. Yeah, um, so Inside Pee-wee's Playhouse, which feels like it was forever ago, it came out a year ago, but it feels like a long time, um, is... Do you want to hold that or no? Okay, oh, sorry, sure. sorry. Um, Inside Pee-wee's Playhouse really um, has done really well, actually. I'm, I've been pleasantly surprised, I guess, when you set out and say, uh, I'm going to write a book, you expect that people will read it. But I've been really... Um, humbled by the response by the response of people that not only uh, worked on the show and read the book but um, also just fans of Pee Wee Herman and Pee Wee's Playhouse that really um, enjoyed not only the stories but the pictures that I was able to find um, it was a big project and it was a, a tiring project it, there were lots of kind of complications behind the scenes a little bit in making this book but um i've been really pleased with the way that everything has uh, shaken out and it's still actually doing pretty well if you check on amazon if i can pat myself on the back for a second so i'm, I'm pleased with that sure well i guess it is the only really the only peewee herman book that's out right yeah. like uh you know like a uh, a, sort of like a reference book that, yeah. that's available, so you have the market cornered on that. <laughs> yeah, for now. For, for now. For years to come. But um, I'm waiting for the day when someone just takes everything from the book and puts it on Wikipedia, and then no one will have to buy it. Well, it'll, <laughs> it'll come one day. Uh, so ECW Press yes. published the book. Mm-hmm. How do you, like, if I decide to write a book, yeah. and, and let's say a publisher like ECW Press says, okay, well, you know, here's an advance, you can yeah. write the book, blah, 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 blah. Um, once the book is on store shelves yes. and available online, mm-hmm. what do I do? Like, how, how do I see how good it's selling or how, how well it's selling? Or Well, the great thing is um, 
you know, ECW Press is an awesome publisher, and they, um, what makes them awesome is that they are all real, uh, pop culture nerds, I think. I mean, I don't think they'd mind me saying that. I mean, you know, when, when I can email someone and say, I want to do a book on Pee Wee Herman, and the answer is, oh my god, that's fantastic. I mean, you know, those are my kind of, my kind of people. Um, and it was the same with, uh, my new project. But, um, what's great is that they're really, um, what's the word? They're really not only encouraging, but they really are very uh, open and forthcoming with how things are going, what the promotion plan is, um, where they are promoting, and um, and what your sales are. I mean, I can kind of just email and say, like, what's going on? I, I get a statement. Um, and also, I, I, I'm a frequent checker of Amazon for myself, so I kind of I just check in and see how I'm doing. Um, but it, it's weird. It's one of those things that I try not to... Um, obsess over, but sometimes I just can't help it. <laughs> you know, I guess that's natural to an extent. And and again, when the book is on shelves and yeah. it's all published and everything, um, you're saying, a, again, in this case, ECW Press is sending you statements yeah. and, and, and that kind of information. But then what about, like, do they set up book signings for you, or, or, or is that something you have to do on your own to promote your own book? Well, it's really, it's really both. I mean, the thing with author promotion that's interesting is that there are a lot of things that the publisher can do. I mean, I guess the way that I'll kind of make the analogy is that if you're a student, right? If you're a student and you have a test that's coming up and you have to prepare, there are lots of things that the teacher can do for you. The teacher can give you a study guide. The teacher can give you time in class. The teacher can be available to answer questions. But at the end of the day, you kind of have to go home and you have to study and you have to figure out what works for you. And maybe you have, one kid has to spend an hour and another person has to spend, you know, a week studying. And it's the same kind of with book promotion. ECW Press um, does set up author events for me and interviews and things like that. But at the same time, um, I think that there are uh, certain kind of niche groups like the Punch Stevenson Show, like like other um, author events that I've been to where I think that there are Pee-wee fans that are listening or Pee-wee fans that are um, that will be going to those sort, certain events and ECW says, sure, go for it. So it's kind of a, it's really a partnership that uh, in terms of setting up events and promotion. And is there anything that ECW, like, if you want to say, like, hey, I, I want to set up my own book signing at this place, or I want to go to this convention or whatever, is there anything that that um, ECW Press would say, like, well, actually, we don't really approve of that? Or, or is it, like, pretty much you're on your own, do, um, do whatever you have to do to promote your own book? Well, I don't think... I mean, the, I guess the interesting thing is, almost like a musician, you know, the book is mine and they distribute the book. That's sort of the relationship. Okay. So... Um, there are times where I can say, I want to go to California, let's say. I mean, I haven't said this, but let's just say if there was a big Pee Wee Herman convention in California, <laughs> I'm sure ECW would do whatever they can to get me there because that would be so obvious that I should be there. <laughs> right. Um, you know, if it's an event in Wyoming, let's say, and it's something that I really want to go to and I think that, um, that there's something great out there for me in terms of Pee-wee fans, um, I might have to fit that bill myself, you know? So I think that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of the relationship that we have, but they are really encouraging. I mean, again, I've done a lot of conventions. Well, I, that's not true. I've done a couple of conventions. I've done lots of author signings. I've been to a bunch of different states doing author signings and, um, they always say, let us know where you're going and we'll send books in advance and we'll, you know, cut them a rate in terms of getting them, um, you know, some books that they can, you know, the stores can, you know, get benefit from you going there as well. Right. Um, so they really uh, help out in that front. And is there anything like, like if you emailed them and said, you know, hey, there's this devil worshiper <laughs> slash Pee Wee Herman convention. I really want to go. I'll and, and, and I'm, and I'm going to pay for everything myself. Would they, would they still say like, hey, have a ball? Or would they say like, well, I don't think maybe they, don't go to legally. I don't think they could stop me. <laughs> <laughs> we, I have a contract, <laughs> so, so I don't think that they can stop me. But you know what? I will say, I think that the, the Devil Worshipper, Pee Wee's uh, Playhouse thing might not be too far-fetched when you think about the <laughs> fact that Paul Rubens was a vampire in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so there might oh, be that, there might be a market there. there. Go. I, a now I'm going to start looking. <laughs> well, and there was that, that devil scene in Big yes. Adventure. Oh, yeah. Sure. That scared me. Can I tell you, when I was a kid... I, that I'm, was scary. I'm almost... I'm not embarrassed to admit this, but when I was 
until like I was way older than I should have been, I was really afraid of that um, nightmare sequence right after the tequila scene where uh, that Greg is talking about with the devils and the, the Francis kid is yeah. dressed up like a, a giant devil. The clowns. And the clowns. Yeah. Oh, I was terrified of clowns as a kid and I was really afraid of that scene. Well, Tim Burton... <laughs> Until like yesterday. Yeah, Tim, Tim Burton's sensibility and, and aesthetic can be very bizarre and frightening, especially to a younger person. Yeah. Did Even, you see Frankenweenie? Sorry. Fra- no, no. Frankenweenie is great. I mean, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's, um, I sat in a theater and saw it and there were lots of kids in the theater and, you know, there was one girl, it, like out of the silence of the theater, she was just like, mommy, this is the scariest thing I've ever seen ever. And, uh, and uh, you know, it was it's completely classic, but it was um, a really dark and kind of scary movie I was surprised for a Disney children's movie I loved it but I, I don't know if I were a parent I would Did like my four year old Beetlejuice yeah. yeah yeah Tim Burton yeah that was uh, Beetlejuice was right after Pooh's Big Adventure yeah. the second Somewhat feature scary yeah everything well again it's, it's not like it's not overtly a horror movie but but it just has that uh, that weird yeah. freaky aesthetic that makes it you know what's funny about subtly that subtly scary I worked at a Sam Goody Back and now I'm dating myself. It wasn't what a time ago I worked at a Sam Goody. If I were 10 years older, I would have worked at a Nobody Beats the Wiz, I guess, or something yeah. like that. But um, I was there at the time when uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory came out on DVD. And I remember parents coming in saying, you know, is there anything good for kids? And I would say, like, oh, well, this is here just because it came out that week or whatever. And I was amazed at the number of parents that said, like, oh, I don't want to get that for my kid because he looks weird. And I was kind of like, well, I, I didn't know that. The the bar for your child, ma'am, is set so high that someone looking weird is a disqualifier. We can't allow that weird-looking person. Weird. In my, I mean, there, there are plenty of other complaints to be had with that movie besides the fact that he looks weird. But I think... Uh, the, the timber in off-kilterness is uh, sometimes pretty jarring to uh, the everyday good-looking person, I guess, <laughs> or something like that. Uh, again, one one last question before we get into the yeah. new project. But you could ask as we many as you want. This is your show. <laughs> we were talking briefly uh, before, you know, off the air, but um, you're a teacher. Yes. And you were saying that in the year 2012... <laughs> Your students, for the most part, do not know who Pee Wee Herman is. Yes. And I find that, stri- as, as people who are so involved in pop culture and we grew up with all this stuff, mm. I find it strange that something can happen where, um, and it's not just isolated to Pee Wee Herman, but, you know, this happened with, let's say, like the Little Rascals, the Marx Brothers, uh, Pee Wee Herman now, where something can be so I love Lucy gigantic or, yeah. in pop culture and people of all generations knows who this is or what this is. And then all of a sudden, like 10 years go by and it's like nobody knows who this is. It's remarkable. It is. It's remarkable. I was just having this happen? conversation with someone at work the other day and... Uh, I don't know how that happens, honestly. I mean, I, the funny thing is that the person I was talking to at work was saying, like, oh, well they, well, they weren't alive during that time. But, you know, I'm young enough where Star Wars predates me. Jaws predates me. You know, right. obviously Little Rascals, uh, I Love Lucy, Three Stooges, Mark's Brothers. Um, you know, all those things are before my time. And the fact that there are kids now that don't know something from the 80s is kind of weird to me. I mean, I remember... Um, my own brother, when the not not when the new Muppets movie came out, but like when they had that Muppets Wizard of Oz thing a couple, you know, a, a decade ago or whatever that was. Right. My brother, I guess, was young at the time, but he had no idea who the Muppets were. And I was like, how do you not know who the Muppets? It's like not knowing who Bugs Bunny is. You know, right. Bugs Bunny is from like the, the t- 1920s or something like that. But um, it's it's a weird thing. I don't know how that happens. I I blame iCarly. No, just kidding. I don't blame iCarly. But I, I, um, I have no idea how that happens. It's a weird, unfortunate, uh, really unfortunate phenomenon. Well, basically what happened was you had for... I guess starting, I would say probably starting in the late 60s up until, say, like the early 2000s, what's that, about 35 years, you had this rerun mm-hmm. structure mm-hmm. In, in television, which is gone now. Yeah. I mean, the only way, you, like, there are shows that I used to, not just cartoons, but there's like old, old shows I would watch all the time, Rockford Files mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, 
stuff like that. No, I didn't watch Kojak. But it was, no, I'm not, I'm it was on. But the Bionic Man. They've yeah. been pushed to like these obscure, like stations that broadcast out of the middle of Connecticut, like in our area, you know, for example. And so you can't really see them anymore on normal television because now everything, all the reruns are gone. Everything's been replaced with reality shows mm-hmm. or newer yeah, reruns. You know, and also, so it's probably cable, too. I mean, if you think about even... Well, now, I granted, mean. when we grew up, cable uh, certainly existed. But I'm thinking even... Uh, there were just fewer channels, you know, even for, like, our parents. You know, so there were less things to watch. So everyone kind of had a more common, you know, a more common... Even if you didn't watch Love Boat or something like that, you knew it was on because it was one of the four things that was on at that time slot that, <laughs> that day. Right. Um, I have no idea what's on television now. I really don't. And I watch, actually, a decent amount of television, and I have no idea what's on television. I flip through the channels, and I'm completely... Well, that's it. So, like, no one... Like, the kids don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. Well, they, if, if there's a specific show, they'll go and watch mm-hmm. it. But otherwise, it's all download. It's all, you know, I'm going to Hulu, or I don't even know if anybody uses Hulu anymore, but it's all Netflix and that kind of stuff. So you're not being fed... You, like before, you had you didn't have a choice. Mm. If you wanted to watch something, you had to turn the TV on. What's on? Mm. Now you don't do that anymore. So you're not being fed these old shows anymore, and you're stuck. So there's no way to be, you know, to get acclimated to them at all. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> we've talked about on the show a few times how when, even when we grew up in in the you know late 1970s, early 1980s, mm. mid 1980s. How you were just saying, Cassine, that um, there were fewer channels, and um, but also all of these old short films and TV shows and cartoons were still being shown yeah. on free TV, yeah. like Woody Woodpecker, Bugs Bunny, Three sure. Stooges, Abbott and Costello. Um, and then for some reason, like the early 1990s, like those things, like they just stopped showing, mm-hmm. but. So, okay, so those things that were, like, you know, 50 yeah, you years old. Like, if you go, like, on the hub, they still show the old G.I. Joe. I know, I know, I know. So so, so, night, so they moved to, <laughs> so, so those things were moved to specialty channels yeah. at weird times. But they're very old. They faded away. I, I can ac- accept that. Yeah. But something like Pee Wee Herman, that's not something that's 50 years old. But, you it's, know, I'm hoping... That to me, it's still something that is yeah, like still show big kind of current. <laughs> I did see um, Big Top Pee Wee was on the other day. Someone now the, the funny thing is that when, once you write a book about Pee Wee Herman, then you get all of these lovely emails from people, and I don't mean that sarcastically. I mean I get emails from people going like, just letting you know, Pee Wee's Big Adventures on TV. <laughs> Have you <laughs> seen that before, for the rest of your life? Um, but it's very sweet. I appreciate it, but it's 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 funny. Um, so like you know, I, I know when it's on all the time because someone will email me or call me or something, but. Um, what I was saying is, I think that there is a little bit of an 80s resurgence now in the last couple of years, whether it's Pee Wee Herman with the new live stuff. And I think that, honestly, I bet you that the bulk of the kids, my students that know who Pee Wee Herman is, know because of the HBO special. And they just saw it flicking through, you know, recently. You know, Pee Wee Herman, for them, is this, you know, near 60-year-old man in a gray suit. <laughs> that's that's the, the person they know. You know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have a, a thing now, a movie or a TV show or something. Well, they've Transformers. Yeah. Did they? I feel like they went uh, away. Maybe I just, just grew keep, out and then came back in and I realized that they were they still They just there. keep... They fizzled out, yeah, they, but, they but they've keep, still been there in the back. Uh, you know, I was amazed. Um, I saw a kid for Halloween dressed up like a Power Ranger, and I was floored that Power Rangers is still going on. I thought that was no, long gone, but it, I guess... In fact, I I didn't mention this when we... I went to the New York Comic Con. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You probably go there a lot. And um, I went there this year. And I didn't say this when, when I talked about when I went there. While I was standing in line for forever for something, there was this enormous line. And all the people with that were around me were like, what is this, what's this line for? Because we knew it wasn't for one of the main like science fiction celebrities. Yeah. And it turns out there was like three or four actors who had been in Power Rangers in the 90s. Oh, wow. And the line was like 400, it was like two, 300 people long. Wow. And we're like, for Power Rangers? Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> I feel like something like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Power Rangers, even though it's still around, 
at least to my knowledge, it's not the huge phenomenon that it was. No, I don't think so. It's still around, but it's like kind of... You know, I went... Um, I was at uh, Cheeseburger in Paradise. Is that the name of the... In, in Secaucus? Yeah, Jimmy Buffett... Uh, no, he wasn't... There was, yes, yes. I thought you were going to ask if he was there with, in Margaritaville. <laughs> but um, there were a ton of people. There. It was packed. It was like a Sunday morning at like... 11, like right when they opened. And there were all these people that were there for BronyCon. Do you know uh, what this is? I didn't know what BronyCon what? was. But My Bro- Little Pony It's for guys. Yeah, it's men that are really into My Little Pony. And they were... Well, why would it be at a gym? Really, they, were at the, um, they were at the convention center. Oh. And they and they just came over for, for lunch or breakfast. or whatever. I guess breakfast at that hour. But... Um, it was packed. I was just amazed. Number one, that this was a thing, that this existed. Right. Number two, I could not believe. When I say it was packed, I literally mean like there was a wait for a table at eleven o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. There was a wait for a table. So we always thought that that was was like a like a gag. Yeah, like that. It, people maybe it like, is. Maybe maybe we're some just ul- getting the joke. Some ulterior. Uh, I don't know. Oh, look, there's a Christmas. You can see the book for a Christmas story right there. Do you see it? I just happened to glance over. Oh, yeah. yeah Straight yeah, ahead. Yeah. I don't see it's in between it's these the two rows. Shell. The light wooden shell. You'll, I'll show you when we're done. But it, it doesn't much matter. But I, no, 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 it's not mine. No, it's not mine. I just happened to be glancing over and I've traveled through time. <laughs> your book. How weird. All right, so let's, my let's talk about his, uh, right, his so, book. So <laughs> yeah, let's you talk about that thing. <laughs> So you wrote and released Inside Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yes. By Cassine Games. Yep. Cassine or Cassine? It's, it's, it's Cassine. Cassine, okay. So it's okay when your name is Cassine, you get used to it being mispronounced. So I don't really sweat it. Well, I wanted, I, I, I want the correct proper pronunciation. Okay, I, I so, understand. Thanks. So now you're working on a new project. Yes. Tell us about that. So the new project is called A Christmas Story: The Making of a Holiday Classic, and uh, it's about. It's similar to Inside Pee Playhouse, where it looks at the trajectory from Gene Shepard, who's the uh, recounter who had the original stories for the Parker family based on his own life, autobiographical, mm. semi-autobiographical. And it looks at uh, a little bit of his life and a little bit of the director, Bob Clark's life, and how they came together to make this movie, how the movie initially was not a very big deal when it came out in November of 1983, and then it exploded over the course of, uh, slowly exploded <laughs> over the course of the next decade. Um, as it started airing more and more on television until ultimately in 1997 we got the 24-hour marathon, um, which still exists to this day. And um, now it's a massive thing. I, mean, I don't know if you know this, but there's a Christmas Story musical that's on Broadway right now. Um, there is another live production of A Christmas Story that's a non-musical production that, that uh, circulates around the United States. There's a Christmas Story house in Cleveland, which is a major tourist attraction. Actually, yesterday was uh, the anniversary of that house opening in 2006. Um, so wait, wait, was that the house that was in the movie? That's the house that was the exterior yeah. shot in the movie. Um, and the inside, the interior shots were uh, on a soundstage in Toronto. Oh. Um, so they did, you know, that classic movie matching thing. Um, the amazing thing about the Christmas Story house, though, is that the inside, of course, in no way resembled the movie. Okay. So when the house was purchased on eBay in 2006, but actually it wasn't purchased in 2006, I think it was purchased the year before. But when it was purchased on eBay by a guy named Brian Jones, who lives out in Seattle, it had to be completely gutted and renovated so that when people walked inside, it looked like the movie, not looked like some random wow. house that was just used for exteriors. Wow. Uh, it had to be repainted, you know, recited. Um, so it's it's quite the tourist attraction out there. Um, right this second, <laughs> this weekend, there's a thing called A Christmas Story Comes Home in the town of Hammond, Indiana. It's going on right now, and that's the town where Gene Shepard grew up and where those stories are really based. And they have massive conventions, and some of the actors from the movie go down there and do signings. So it's a it's a really big deal. I mean, when I set out to write the Christmas story book, 
I knew that A Christmas Story was a very popular thing, that a lot of people watched it on television. I watched it on television all the time. But I didn't know, really, at the time that... I knew they sold leg lamps and that when I go into Target and Barnes & Noble, I can just be glancing and I see A Christmas Story somewhere. But it's a huge, huge thing. Um, a BFD, as I call it, which now, is a big friggin' yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah now. Um, it's a massive, massive thing. And... Um, so the book kind of chronicles that story and looks at um, what the actors are up to, what it was like filming behind the scenes stories yet again, uh, never before seen pictures yet again. So um, I'm, I'm excited about it. And it comes out next fall. So it comes out in time for the 30th anniversary of A Christmas Story, which will be uh, next November. 2013. 2013, yeah. So um, yeah, what was I going to say? My, believe it or not, that was my first time giving like the pitch for the Synopsis. book uh, yeah i the, think i mean so. stevenson show exclusive <laughs> a, i'll get it down to an even 60 but, seconds <laughs> the elevator pitch so did um you're doing a kickstarter mm -hmm. to fund this project i am so currently the, yeah the kickstarter and this is i um kickstarter i've become like really interested in uh with kickstarter i've have a bunch of friends that have funded things on kickstarter uh, film projects, a great documentary film project called I Am Big Bird um, that people, ah, do you guys yeah. know them? I yeah. met him at the children. Do you? Yeah. Carol um, yep, Carol, yeah. I met him um, not, not this year, but last uh, last year or two years ago, I went with the PV book. I guess it would have had to have been last year. Very nice guy. Very nice guy. And um, and, a, and an owner of Inside PV's Playhouse, if I can say so. Um, by, but, yeah, by the way, I, I was actually wrong. When we were talking about it, I said that he, I thought he was retired. No, he still does Big Bird and oh, Oscar wow. the Ground. Yep. It's amazing. And he's a sweet guy. I mean, you know, because you, and yeah. it sounds like you've talked about him on, on the podcast. Um, so, I Am Big Bird is a great documentary project that I um, funded and, and helped the, those guys out with uh, the Copperbot team out in Brooklyn. And um, a number of other friends of mine that have written books that have... Um, gotten themselves published really through Kickstarter. Really what my Kickstarter is for is for uh, author promotion. We spoke earlier about kind of um, my responsibilities and the things that I do with author promotion and ECW is great but there is a there's a finite promotion budget. So if it comes down to frankly, I mean if it comes down to spending you know thousands of dollars on advertisement um, that's going to be distributed throughout the United States in newspapers or magazines or whatever the case may be, or thousands of dollars to have the book launch, it's probably better to have the promotion that's going to go out to a lot of markets across the United States. Um, at the same time, though, um, I have the benefit with this Christmas Story book of having a number of actors that worked on the movie that are really interested in helping out to promote. Um, and as a result... The Kickstarter is really for the cost of having a proper book launch, having a proper website for the book, um, getting me to author events, those other, you know, author events like in the Hammond, Indiana, or the Christmas Story House, those sorts the of things. The Devil Worshipper. The Devil, the devil Worshipper Christmas <laughs> Story. Um, as long as we just don't talk about Scientologists. No, no. no. Devil Worshippers are okay, but never Scientologists. Never. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, so all this is to say, um, it's really for to help defer the cost of that. Um, I have a very ambitious Kickstarter goal of $20,000, which is a lot, man. I mean, that's a lot. But... Um, when you look at all the things that I would like to do and the things that I think are really kind of necessary to get the book to the Christmas Story fans, I think that it's a um, an appropriate goal. I'm not really a, a big uh, asker of people for things, but I, I'm asking uh, because I think it's essential for this product. So so what are some of the uh, rewards? You don't, have to, don't go into the price levels. Yeah. You probably don't remember them. But. Yeah. I, for, for, no, um, <laughs> some of the rewards. So lots of cool rewards. Number one, um, the book launch, uh, if everything happens the way that I'm hoping it will happen, um, will be at the Museum of the Moving Image, which is in uh, Astoria, I believe. And they're going to host this big reception where we're going to screen the movie and the a, a number, I think six actors from the movie are going to be there to do a signing. Um, and it's going to be invite only. So actually, if you um, give to that level at the Kickstarter, then you actually get uh, the invite. Um, because VIP. VIP treatment. You get uh, <laughs> to, meet, to meet some of the actors and hang out and do that thing. 
Um, there's uh, Christmas cards, custom Christmas cards that have been designed by Ian Petrella, who played uh, the kid brother Randy Parker in the movie. Um, he's a graphic designer now, so he's designing the book cover, and he's also designing um, these Christmas cards that we're going out for Kickstarter rewards. There is um, a great guy, uh, Ben Zorowski, out in Chicago. I'm actually going to show you guys this while I talk about it. Sure, I'm yeah. Pull it up. Um, I'll see if I get it. Was in, wasn't he in your? Yeah, he's in there. Um, this guy. Yes, that, that's Ben. Ben right. is an amazing, um, an amazing artist. And what he has done is uh, he made a Pee Wee's Playhouse nativity scene painting. Wow. <laughs> Not kidding. And he's allowed me to uh, to make prints of his painting as Christmas cards and also as posters for. The uh, for some Kickstarter backers, um, at a certain level, actually at a certain level, we will fly you out to New York to come to the book launch from anywhere in the world. Of course, that's the one dollar level. No, that's you know that's that's one of the the higher up levels. But um, but we'll do it. So there are lots of cool things. There's things for Pee Wee fans. Um, I really tried to. This is the Pee Wee Nativity scene. Oh, nice. That's um, that Ben like did, that. Yeah, which I is like which that. is fantastic. Nice. I mean, this is like I have to give to my own Kickstarter so I can get a print <laughs> myself. But it's um, it's really cool. If you go on to um, my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Kasim Gaines, you can C-A-S-E-E-N-G-A-I-N-E-S. I'm sure you'll see it posted on the website yeah, we'll post as the well. Um, then you can uh, get involved with the Kickstarter. And it expires on December 26th because okay. Kickstarters have a finite... Uh, Time, uh, the fickle finger of fate with Kickstarter. Sometimes could you have done the? I've seen some that they're like. I want to say they're like ninety days. Mm -hmm. Or is there like a special restriction? You can't do it for ninety days. No, or there's. Um, you can do it for up to ninety days, but the thing is, you know, we will see. I, I might. I maybe I gambled wrong, but I don't think so. I think I think that we're going to be successful. I'm going to be proactive here. But um, the thing with the Kickstarter is, I think. Because Christmas Story is so seasonal, I didn't really know how much sense it made to go into, you know, January, February with it. Right. So it seemed like um, it was appropriate that, you know, shortly after Christmas that everything would kind of, you know, fizzle out and expire. Um, and, uh, but I think it's great. It really is fantastic. The rewards are awesome. It's one of those things... You know, my goal is always when I sit down and I say I want to write a book, it's to write a book that I would love to read. That if I were walking to the bookstore, I would say, my God, I have to have that. And, you know, in designing these Kickstarter rewards, um, and even the price points, frankly, for the Kickstarter rewards, I try to say, what is a price that I would pay for this? And what's something that I would want? Um, and I think that uh, people that are fans of not only a Christmas story, uh, Christmas story, but also Pee Wee's Playhouse will feel the same way, I think. Two questions. One, uh, well, first of all, everyone who's listening, go to pawnstevenson.com or facebook.com slash Games, and we'll post the link to the, uh, the Kickstarter and, you know, just throw a few bucks or, or whatever you can, you know, help help uh, Kasim Games out here and, and let's get this book published and... and uh, and, and you know ha have the, the proper launch party yeah. with all the actors and everything so so go do that and number two uh, is this also being published by ECW press yes this is actually my uh, my editor on the Peewee book uh, her name is Jen Hale and she is fantastic she's one of my favorite people in the universe she's um a we have very similar uh, pop uh, sensibilities and she loves a Christmas story. It's her favorite book, actually. So, just like when I emailed and said, I have this idea for a book about Pee Wee's Playhouse, and she said, Great. It took her 15 minutes, no exaggeration. It took 15 minutes for her to email back and say, Great, let's talk about it. With a Christmas story, I didn't even know that it, the email had sent before I got a telephone call back. It was that immediate. So, nice. um, she's really excited about it. And, um, you know, knock on wood, the first draft. Um, came back well. I still have to do revisions and the book will be, like I said, it will be out next year, but um, it's coming together really well. It's a really interesting story. I think the thing with the Christmas story is that most people are familiar with it. Like we were saying with I Love Lucy or whatever, you know, I don't know if there's a person who does not know that this movie exists. I don't know how many people say, um, well, what really happened behind the scenes? And, and I can say certainly that 
it's a very interesting story from soup to nuts with a Christmas story. Um, you know, if this were an Ichu Hollywood story or something like that, it, it's worth watching. So it's, um, it's worth it. And also with the Kickstarter, I failed to mention that with almost every award level, you get a signed copy by, of the book by yours truly as well. So this is a great way to kind of pre-order uh, the Christmas story book. And one of the other, I think, rewards was a DVD of the TV Guide channel, TV Guide Network, uh, like a behind, they had like a one-hour behind-the-scenes yeah. of the Christmas story, which you actually appeared in. Yes. I've been on television. I know. Let, let me tell you, I'm so you're big. A TV star. I'm so big time that I forgot that even happened. No, 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 just kidding. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I was I was uh, invited to be on this TV Guide special, which was a great. <laughs> it's so weird. It's a weird experience. How did they find? How, like, how, how did they know that this guy Cassine Gaines yeah. in Hackensack, New Jersey, <laughs> is in the process of writing a book that is not out yet? How, does, a, TV, how does the TV Guide channel know that? You know, because TV Guide has been around since televisions have been around, and they'd have some, I guess, some spies out here in the world. <laughs> no, so um, really funny story, but it's. It, I wondered the same thing, actually, immediately. I got this email, and I thought it was a joke. Um, I thought it was just, you know, the person telling me that Pee-wee's Big Adventure was on. And um, when I got the email, um, it turns out that Ian Petrella, who, like I mentioned, was Randy in the movie and has designed the book cover, he was at a convention where TV Guide asked if they could join him um, for the convention to do, um, for, so they can get B-roll, you know, for their documentary, their special. And while they were with him, he mentioned that he was designing the book and that he's heavily involved with my book, With a Christmas Story. Um, and they asked for my information from him. And so really, um, the kid, who, the, the, guy, the guy who plays Randy in the movie um, brokered that deal for me. And it was great to be included. I, I'm now a Christmas Story expert, and the book isn't even out yet. Yeah, so now, now you are, you are um, yeah. part of the, the Christmas Story history or canon yeah, or whatever you way. want to call it. And you know, and it's worth mentioning also while we're talking about the actors, they are really um, a fantastic group of people. You know, I was talking about this with my editor the other day, but I can't think of another kind of pop culture thing where the unit of actors has remained together. I mean, you know, they didn't remain together for the full 29 years that it has been, but since the Christmas Story House, since the marathon has picked up, you know, they've gone to conventions together, they've done events together, um, they contribute to the DVD special features, they've all contributed, um, the bulk of them have contributed to the book, um, the bulk of them will be at the book launch, so they really travel kind of as a unit, and it's, um, it's amazing, they're, they're a great group of uh, guys, they're almost all guys, actually, when you think about it, they're all, you know, all boys. Who was the actress that played the mother? Uh, Melinda Dillon is the mother. Yes. Yeah. Now, she was in Close Encounters, mm -hmm. obvi but obviously, for me, the big one is Harry and Henderson's. <laughs> yes, she which is, is a movie right after kid. A Christmas Story, I think. I think it was right after, or maybe one after A Christmas Story. Um, I love Harry and the Henderson's, Henderson's, too. I haven't seen it probably since it was on WPIX, <laughs> you know, with, filled with commercials or something like that, but um, I remember loving it, actually. Yeah. So that'll be your next book, Harry and <laughs> Oh, <No>. maybe. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> what, what is B-roll? Oh, B-roll is, uh, B-roll is like um, footage, you know, like when someone, when someone's talking, they just have yeah. like, kind of like um, background footage just for context, you know, so like if we, if we were watching the news, the newscaster might be talking about um, a flood that happened. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks. Um, so you're getting recognized uh, live on the air. That was so nice. Um, so yeah, should buy it though. No, go to the Kickstarter. Yeah, Kickstarter. All right. So I have for the Christmas story expert. I have a couple, not questions, but some some things I was going to say. They did talk about this in a TV guide special, and honestly. There, there have been sequels made mm -hmm. to the Christmas story now. I didn't know that... First of all, the reason I say that is... I actually mentioned to him a, a while ago. I saw this commercial. A couple of... No, it wasn't a commercial. I think it was a, in, in a preview at, at a theater for another movie I was seeing. And I'm like, what, what a Christmas story too? What, what is this? Daniel Stern? <laughs> Why? What, what? And before I... Because I, obviously I haven't seen it, but just from... Looking at it, looking at the trailer, I was kind of like, why are they doing this? Mm -hmm. This looked like one of these Disney kind of Cinderella 2 
American you know, Pie Six, Tinker Bell, Lost in New York, you know, whatever these things. One are of these things. Do. So I was, I was like, oh, oh boy. Now, in addition to that, as I, as I was like, wait, sequel. Either from the TV guide or just looking up Wikipedia, I realized there were the other sequels. Mm. And the reason I say that is the first quote-unquote sequel, mm. I don't remember what it was called, you'll tell me, but it starred Charles Grodin mm. and uh, Mary Steenburgen. Yes. I've seen this movie a couple of times, <laughs> like bits and pieces. I am swear to you, and I was like, oh, this is an interesting movie. Yeah. And I, wa- I would watch like the whole movie or parts of it. I never knew it had anything to do with the Chris- a Christmas story yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what it's called. Yeah, the uh, well, actually, it's funny that you should say that you don't know what it's called because um, the actors in the movie might not even know what it's called. The movie, <laughs> I mean that, I mean that completely seriously. The movie uh, that he's talking about is shot. It's from 1994, and it was uh, shot under the title "My Summer Story." That's the name of the movie. All right. When the movie was released in theaters, however, MGM changed the title of the movie to It Runs in the Family. And they did that because they were afraid that people would uh, negatively compare it to A Christmas Story. So they tried to disassociate the movie wait, 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 with that's a not Christmas exactly Story. That's a vote of confidence. Wait, and, it's, and it's kind of backwards logic, they actually. They disassociate the sequel with the original. Because, the, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I guess, like Greg was saying, the movie does kind of stand alone where, if you know, if you don't know that... You know, Greg yeah, said that he's seen it a couple times. He obviously has it in his Netflix queue as the number oh, one thing. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, he... So, the, the shame of uh, My Summer Story, which I... We'll still call it. That's what it's actually released on DVD as. I guess someone, oh. you know, hipped up to it, and um, now it's available on DVD. But the thing with my summer story is, it's actually decent. Like it's not, you know, I don't know if I'd say it's great. Actually, believe it or not, in the TV Guide special, this is like the bulk of my airtime. The bulk of my airtime <laughs> was talking about my summer story, actually. So now, now I'm not really the, my Chris, a, a Christmas story expert. Now I'm the my summer story expert. <laughs> That'll be the next book. But um, oh, you'll, you'll you'll really have the market cornered on that. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah. There, well, there's obviously there's mention of, of my summer the, story. The reason I mentioned that that it stuck with me, you know, again, it was one of those things where I was like flipping around and yeah. oh, what's this? And the reason I kept watching it was I, I turned it on and there was a scene, probably at the beginning of the movie, where, because this, and it took place in Indiana, mm-hmm. there was a scene at the beginning where the whole neighborhood's going crazy because the basically, I don't, I'm not really the IRS, but like the Indiana department, like kind of IRS, was going to each house. This is during the Depression, mm-hmm. I guess, or around that time. They yeah. were going to each house and inspecting what they had. Yeah. Because I guess in the state of Indiana, then, I don't think they do this anymore, but rather than having a sales tax or, or like an income tax, basically they would go to your house and they would like price what you had in your house. You were absolutely right. To figure out what you had purchased, I guess. They would and, appraise. Yeah. They, essentially they'd appraise the, the value of your home, not just the value of the property, but also the value of what's inside your home. Hide everything. And then you, essentially, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm sure that's where Greg was going. So, like, they were going crazy, and they were, like, taking all the stuff that was valuable, hiding it, putting it in car. Like, the, Charles Grodin was the father, drove up in the car or something. They were throwing stuff in the car, and he would drive away. It's, um... This is a strange movie. Is it? But here's the thing. Um, but I just told... Yeah. I took it as a very, like, something. I was like, that's crazy. But it... I took to it because it was like a period kind of piece, mm-hmm. something I didn't really, you know, realize that they did in this country, and, mm-hmm. and they're, they are doing. And that's what always drew, drew me back to the Christmas story mm. was that, you know, as I got older, mm. obviously, yeah, you watch it as a kid, it's funny, it's goofy, whatever. Mm. But as you get older, you know, you're like, you know, how did people, you know, live in, mm. at that time? You know, how did my grandparents live? Because mm. that's like when, you know, around the time. Then. So it's, yeah. that's what you get drawn back to. So they did in the sequel. It was good in that sense. Mm. No, it was an okay movie, but I never had any idea it had anything to do with it. You know, one of the actors, uh, Zach Ward, who played Scott Farkas, um, gave me a great quote that's in the book, and it, it's a spot-on um, distinction between my summer story and a Christmas story, which is getting to what Greg is saying. That a Christmas story is really about 
Ralphie. It's not so much about the family. I mean, it's really about Ralphie. Right. And as a result, even if you didn't grow up in middle America, in the Midwest, even if you didn't grow up in the 1940s, even if you didn't grow up, you know, wanting a BB gun for Christmas, you still can just relate to him being a kid and wanting kid things and doing kid things and, you know, all of that. Uh, my summer story is really about the family. And in a, in a way, it's actually, I think, more about Charles Grodin and Mary Steenburgen than it is about Kieran Culkin, who plays Ralphie in that movie. And um, uh, I can't remember, the, the little, the tiny Culkin is actually the little brother. So you've got, you've got two Culkins, but not the one you want, actually, <laughs> in that movie. Um, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, my summer story, I think, is a decent movie. Does it compare to a Christmas story? Uh, no, not at all. But if it were just a random movie that were on TV, I probably, like Greg, would, would probably just watch it just, you know, it, it would, I would probably watch it and not flick. It would probably, you know, be interesting enough to keep my attention. Um, but it's not a surprise to me that people don't even know that it exists. So wait, so, and then there was a third, what was the third movie? So the, oh, well, actually, I'm, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit and I'll, I'll get to, to that answer specifically, but... A Christmas Story was released by MGM. Uh, MGM sold a lot of its library to Warner Brothers in the mid-90s, which is why, like, The Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind, those are released by Warner Home Video, even though they were MGM. Uh, I don't know if Gone with the Wind was an MGM, but it doesn't matter. So, anyway, um, My Summer Story was released by MGM. But it was after, I believe it was after the sale of A Christmas Story to Warner Brothers. So Warner Brothers doesn't own the rights to My Summer Story, if you're following this. Right. A Christmas Story 2, which is a brand new sequel starring Daniel Stern, is something that Warner Brothers is calling the, and I quote, official sequel to A Christmas Story because this is the only, you know, this is now Warner Brothers' sequel to A right. Christmas Story. Well, they, they, you know, they want to cash in themselves. Absolutely. Oh, and, and do they? Do they have So when, when, when <laughs> oh is this God. Christmas Story 2 coming out? It, it has come out. It's, it's a direct-to-video yeah. thing. It's direct-to-video. Uh, and I, here's the shame. The shame is, is that like everyone in this universe, I saw A Christmas Story 2 and I said, dear God, who asked for this? And why have we not taken this person and like beaten them with a stick? I mean, like you know, right. who who possibly could have said I need a sequel to a Christmas story? What person approved this? What person thought this idea up? What agent said I have the perfect job for you, Daniel? Here you go. The sad thing is, I've seen the movie, and the movie is actually not bad. Now the problem is that. It's like a tree falling in the forest yeah. because no one will ever see this movie right. and everyone will, you know, the narrative will be that this movie is dreadful even though no one has seen it. But the movie easily, easily exceeded my expectations and actually I thought it was, I thought it was pretty watchable actually. I mean, I would say on a scale of one to ten, I'd probably put it somewhere in like the six and a half, seven range, which is, you know, high praise for something that has a poster that that movie has, frankly. <laughs> it has a trailer like that movie has. Uh, now, wait. Now, the other thing I was going to say, I wrote this thing. I saw a Best... Did you see it was a Best Buy commercial recently that had something to do with a Christmas story? Yeah. Um, Brian Jones, like I said, who's the guy who owns the A Christmas Story house, is in a Best Buy commercial um, yeah, about uh, about a Christmas story. And basically, the, the theme of the commercial, I believe, is like... Christmas gifts that changed your life. So it's all these people. It's like a chef saying, like, I got a KitchenAid mixer, and now I'm a world-famous chef. And Brian Jones is in the commercial saying, I got a laptop for Christmas, and now I run my own business from the, across the other side of the United States. And he does. He actually lives in San Diego, and he runs the A Christmas Story house uh, long distance. Hmm. So, yeah, that's... Um, and also the, the Griswolds, you know, are yeah, in uh, yeah, the Old Navy the commercial. Old, yeah, the Christmas Story Griswolds. Yes, the Christmas, Christmas the, the, no Christmas, uh, uh, Christmas vacation. Christmas vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quick question: mm -hmm. ECW Press. Yes. Did they get their name from the wrestling thing? <laughs> no, but they do release a lot of wrestling books, actually. <laughs> and I wonder if it's just them capitalizing. Um, 
ECW, ECW used to stand for something that East I Coast do not wrestling. remember. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, used, it used to stand for something that was very formal and fancy, and now they've kind of rebranded it in the last, I'd say, decade or so. And now it stands for entertainment, culture, writing. Oh, so okay. that's, that's what it is. And, and wrestling, um, of course. And then, and then you spotted this here in the Barnes & Noble. We, we are at Barnes & Noble. Free Press. In Clifton Commons, Clifton, New Jersey. So we're sitting here, and you spotted this. It is a book called A Christmas Story by Gene Shepard. Yes. Well, it's and, just the official book. Yeah, and it says the book that inspired the hilarious classic film. So I guess this is just Gene Shepard's original story yes. before it got turned And actually, forward. the interesting thing about this edition of the book, the, the book that he's talking about has um, Ralphie's face in the cover looking up pensively in the classroom <laughs> scene. And... Um, Actually, the stories that make up a Christmas story come from two different Gene Shepard works. Uh, not just two sh different Gene Shepard works, but actually, Gene Shepard um, wrote a lot for Playboy, short stories in Playboy, um, for those who read Playboy for the articles. He uh, wrote um, a bunch of short stories that were then anthologized, and he also told stories on the radio and at college tours. So, a Christmas story comes from a lot of different places, but this version of the book comes, um, is really all of those stories culled together in an edition that if you just like the movie and you want to read all those short stories, they're all pulled from the various sources here. Cool. Now, without giving too much away. Yes. Because I don't want to spoil the He gets the, the BB gun in the end. He gets Oops, the BB gun. Did I, did I? <laughs> Spoiler. Um, two questions. Number one, without giving too much away, um, can you give us maybe one tidbit that you found out while researching and, and interviewing that it's like, oh, I didn't know that about a Christmas story. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I think is crazy is that um, you'll remember that uh, Ralphie is a is a student. He's a kid. And in the classroom scene, that was filmed in St. Catharines, um, Canada. And all of the children in that school were hired as extras. The kids that are in that scene are actually just the students from the school that had to go, and they literally retrofitted this uh, school to a, like a satellite filming location where in the gymnasium they were giving haircuts and they were doing costume fittings. Um, the wild thing is that all of those kids were paid a dollar. Not a dollar a day, but all of those kids, the extras, were paid one dollar for their work. And the reason is, um, all of their parents agreed that their salaries would be recycled back into the school system. Oh. So the money that um, they otherwise would have been paid for their work um, was given to the Board of Education in St. Catharines. Uh. And, <laughs> and, uh, and all the kids then were paid uh, $1. That was their, their, big, their big pay for being in a movie. Very interesting. Uh, my other question is, like... You know, Pee-wee's Playhouse and, mm -hmm. and, and uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure and, and then now A Christmas Story. These are, these are very quirky, um, you want to say, like, off the, off the, 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 the mainstream mm -hmm. sort of path. Like, these are just very quirky movies and TV shows. Mm -hmm. So, um, is that your thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I... I guess I got really into these things before I knew they were out of the mainstream. I mean, maybe that sounds silly, but like, you know, growing up, if you like to watch, I watched a lot of The Little Rascals growing up. You know, I loved, um, Letter Malton has a great book out about The Little Rascals, which I literally was shoving into my book bag in like fourth grade and carrying it to school. And I had no idea that that was like not a thing that fourth graders watched. You know, I just didn't know. I mean, I also watched Power Rangers. I also watched Ninja Turtles. To, thanks to Bill Cosby, it wasn't. No, <laughs> that's, that's a myth. That is, that, is a, that is an urban legend. That is a myth. But, uh... Leo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I guess, you know, I, um... I like things that I like, and I, um... There are things that resonate with me probably because they are a little bit weird. I'm, I'm a little bit weird. Um, and... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't really think that A Christmas Story and Pee-wee's Playhouse were that similar, but I could, I could see someone making that argument, certainly. They, well, they both have kind of fantasy and, uh, and a dry sense of humor and that sort of thing. Um, real quick, just to, you know, 
I don't mean that in a bad way because we, you know, Greg and I grew up with these movies and these TV shows too, and I think that's part of what helped form my sense of humor. Was mm-hmm. even though I, I I did like a lot of the mainstream stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like Family Matters and and you know Cosby Show and all mm-hmm. that stuff. I also gravitated. <laughs> I, I also gravitated toward the quirky stuff too. Yeah. Um, but my my last question is. Wait, wait, one more note on that. I, I actually sure. think that I I tend to find a lot of quirkiness in even the most mainstream of thing. I mean, so maybe that's that's kind of what I meant is there are things that I think people perceive to be quirky and I go like, how is that any more quirky than like, you know, I just saw Lincoln last weekend. I mean, Lincoln, Tommy Lee Jones is wearing a ridiculous wig. I mean, but that's a, complete, <laughs> that's a mainstream, right. probably Oscar-nominated performance and, you know, Forrest Gump is a completely weird and quirky movie, but no, you know, so... Um, I guess what I'm saying is I just I, I see kind of a lot of quirk in everything um, and it's what uh, keeps me sane <laughs> my last question is you talked about before how A Christmas Story when it was originally released in November 1983 MGM really didn't uh, go crazy with you know like marketing and whatever it, they just kind of let it fizzle out at the yeah. time it, it did okay mm-hmm. but um, would you say that the fact that it's become so huge and so popular is because it really is this amazing, quirky, relatable movie, and that over time people have just discovered it, and it's like, oh my god, this is such an amazing movie. Or do you think it's because it has been shown eight bazillion <laughs> times on TV, and come Christmas time, it's like, oh, it's a Christmas... You know, like... Like the Charlie Brown Christmas special. I'm not saying that it's a bad movie. It's a good movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But did it become so huge all these years later because it was kind of like one of the few options on TV and people just kind of like defaulted to it? Well, I think... I actually think it's more uh, the the first... uh, The former. In that I think the thing with A Christmas Story is that there is not a kid in this country, arguably, you know, in this world that celebrates Christmas and has not wanted something really, really badly for Christmas. I think the movie is very episodic. Um, There are all these vignettes of, you know, being dared to do something on the playground and, you know, saying a bad word and your parents finding out or the fear that your parents will find out. (laughs) And, you know, the person's chasing you on the way home and you don't want to let your parents know, but at the same time you're trying to deal with that. And, you know, you're doing your schoolwork and the teacher maybe has an impression of you that you're trying to change and all of the, you have an annoying brother and you have, you know, you have an annoying dad, you have an annoying mom and whatever. And all these things. And I think that there are pieces of it that relate even outside of the Christmas kind of framework. True. Yeah. At the same time, um, look, I used to hate that Call Me Maybe song. And then I heard it a thousand million times. And you know what? Then I downloaded it. So I think there's a there's a difference. Um, you know, when a movie, a Charlie Brown Christmas Special or um, The Grinch or any of those, you know, uh, classic holiday specials are shown a couple of times a season. This is shown um, a dozen times in a 24-hour period, and I'm sure, obviously, that it's had a great impression um, on our national consciousness, absolutely. I don't think that I don't think that Brian Jones would have bought a house on eBay had it not been shown in a continuous loop for the uh, you know eight years preceding his purchase. You know, I just don't think that would have happened. True. Well, Cassine Gaines, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, what is the name of the the book? It's a Christmas story, the making of a holiday classic, and it is excellent. So go to the Kickstarter. Go to PawnStevenson.com. Click the link. Go to Kickstarter. Give Kessine Gaines a few bucks. Thank you. I'd appreciate it. And let's make this happen. And thank you so much for thank being you. once again a guest on the Porn Stevens. I love it. You guys are fun. And we'll have you again. We'll have to follow up with this book. And we'll do it in a Chinese restaurant or something so that yes. we can have Chinese duck like in a Christmas store. <laughs> or we can just do it with our tongues stuck to flagpoles. and far, just, right, right, right. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Bye, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing else to say to Will you sign our Pee Wee book? Of course. All oh, right, God. Cool. Yeah, thank you.
we wanted, you know, we wanted to meet up with you. You were doing the thing at, I think it was a Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I don't know if that ended up actually. I mean, I know that I did not end up doing that. The person that there brokered was a that storm. Wasn't there? there was. Some there was. Storm. It got delayed because there was something that happened. I think it snowed or something. Oh um, yeah. And then I, I, we just didn't reschedule it. I don't know how much that even would have. Oh, oh do you have a? Yeah. Thanks. My, I wonder if this would... Now, wait. Now, whose is whose here? The mine is the newer-looking right. one. <laughs> mine is the more red-looking <laughs> one. You guys got the... E- I sent you guys e-versions, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. How do you... How will this, this show up? It'll show up. Here, I can try it on my cup. If you want. Yeah. How, how did you go about getting all these pictures? You have to email, like, contact individually, yeah. or is that something the publisher does? If you look... Because that alone is, like... Six that months worth of work. Yeah, because I, I know a guy that's doing this video game book. I, he had a Kickstarter, and he's done editions in the past. And he's like, the biggest problem now is, he's like, all of these, the old game companies, all the licenses have been bought up by these giant ones. And he's like, they just, they don't even want to, like, return his calls. Yeah, they don't want to deal with it. There you go. Thank you so much. Thanks. Congratulations, by Thank the way. I don't you. know if I mentioned that on the air, but I, congratulations. I appreciate it. Oh, pictures are nutty. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I open mind. the book and I'm just like, <laughs> I get the uh, mesmerized. R-O-B-1-B? By, right, yeah. R-O-B. One, now, now Rob I, with one B. <laughs> no. So Carol Spinney asked me, and goes, was that Frank with one G or two? <laughs> one. Thanks for coming out again. And, no problem. And talking with us. Thanks. I appreciate it. I really yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. No, we yours. appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. Weird Al used this pants. Did he? Oh, look at that. Now I'm, now I'm really fancy. his head to his foot. 
and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled. His dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses. His nose, like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke, it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night! <laughs>